0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning, a rainy morning right here in Hamilton, Ohio, our Chatterbox Studios. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Good morning, Casey McAllister and Paul Frichner. Tom, Hall. I came in, they say about, you know, the, the you know, up and at them early coming in I beat the rain in here. Mm. It was beautiful. 60 degrees whatever it is. It was great. Yeah. And Paul, you got caught up in it today.
1: Yeah, I absolutely did. I think I got every red light on the way here and it was fine. It was fine. It was fine and then about a mile away from here the sky opened up above us and I got drenched. But we are okay. We're good now and the weather outside it's still raining and We're just here having a good old-fashioned Tuesday morning, aren't we, fellas? We
0: are, and it's supposed to be a beautiful late afternoon. Clouds clouds are supposed to clear out of here. Temperatures up in the uh, mid-70s later in the day. So hoping for good things later today, weather-wise. We uh, come your way each and every day, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can join us on YouTube. Many of you already here. our Chatterbox Sports page. We also stream live on Facebook. The Chatterbox Sports page, you can always join us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. The Huskies were simply too good. I mean, not just for San Diego State in last night's title game, but too good for everybody outside of the Big East, period. UConn closed out one of the most dominant runs in NCAA tournament history with a 76-59 win over the Aztecs to win the program's fifth national championship. And it's first since 2014. Not only that, they have done it under three different coaches. Right now, Danny Hurley. UConn won the six games in this tournament by an average of 20 points per game. Odds are already out, Paul Fritschner, because you are going to be more bummed than anybody I know now that college basketball is officially open. The odds came out right after the title game last night for who's going to win it next year. The top five in order, Duke, UConn, Kentucky, Cal, Kansas, and Alabama. Now, all of those are based on who we know is coming back, right? Or who we don't know isn't coming back. Brandon Miller ain't coming back. Yeah, I think,
1: I, I think that's the better way to say it, especially in the portal era where you just have no idea what some of these rosters are. I think one of the funniest things about the college basketball media scene are all the reporters that put out their uh, way too early top 25s, like five minutes after the confettis dropped yep. in the title game, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, maybe 10 years ago you had a pretty good idea because transfers were few and far between. They happened here and there, but it wasn't crazy. Now you have entire roster turnover – Every single season. So, to try and predict what it's going to look like next year when we had guys declaring to go in the portal during the game last night, I mean, no.
0: And Casey pointed out, Casey, why don't you point out, please, uh, Paul already knows this, but for the rest of our audience, measuring in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, about always looking on the what-if side of life. Mm. Right, Casey? Right. Right. And that was, Paul was a part of this already. You always have to look at the optimistic side of life. What if Fremantle never got hurt? I mean, didn't you put out some tweet last night? What was that all about? He was filling me in. Or you were a part of it, tagged on it, what? Well, just, you know,
1: Xavier beat UConn twice. Yeah, they did. That was a big, big talking point. I mean, look, hey, UConn went 17-0 against teams not from the Big East and they beat all 17 of those teams by double digits. I remember being out in Portland and watching them and seeing how dominant they were and saying to myself, this is a team that can win the national championship. Really, their bad stretch of the season was bookended by the two losses to Xavier. They lost at Centos by 10 on New Year's Eve. Then on January 25th, they lost out in stores at Gamble Pavilion. And outside of that, two losses the rest of the season outside of that stretch. it's It was dominant, one of the most dominant – runs uh outside of that one stretch that that you'll ever see. And it's so weird because you look at it they weren't even they never challenged for a big east title. Nope. They didn't play for a big east title at Madison Square Garden. I mean, they just they just kind of dominated everywhere else. And it was very
2: quiet too. Like no one really had them quite going to, like, the championship round. Like, it just felt like...
0: Well, hey, Paul Fritzner was saying all uh, along, I got to give it up. Like I said, I'll give it up to you guys when you're on your game, and I will beat you down like nobody's business when you're not.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Paul was on it. You were on it.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I just... I, I kept watching them and watching them and watching them, especially as you got farther into the season. You saw what they did to Alabama out in Portland, and Alabama ended up being one of the best teams uh, in the country, if if not the best team in the country, for a long stretch of the season. And Connecticut was just completely dominant. They had the size. They had the NBA talent. I'm going to be really interested to see who comes back. They have the option to bring most of this team back, but you look at a guy like Jordan Hawkins with a lot of NBA potential, I don't really know what position Adama Sanogo plays in the NBA – but
0: well, he's a load.
1: A body like his, I'm sure they can figure it out. Donovan Klingens just a freshman. He'll probably come back and, and oh, get more talent. That but, guy's
0: gonna be a player.
1: But as Casey's pointing out here, to our to my left here, we did have two people in the Chatterbox Sports uh, bracket group pick UConn to win the national title. I had them really? in the final four. I did not have them winning the title. Uh, but yeah, it was it was. It was something that you don't see too often. And, you know, the question that everybody obviously throws out, which I don't love going all the way down the road, but it is kind of fun to debate it just as a sports talk show. It's fun to bring it up. Um, I think think it's fun to talk about whether a team like UConn is a blue blood because to me you're always talking about teams that are able to sustain success in their program. And I know UConn – didn't have as much success in the AAC as a lot of UConn fans would have liked them to, but they would also blame that on being in the AAC for whatever that's worth. They have now won five national titles in the last 24 years, since 1999, since 1999, they've won five titles. Nobody's won more in that stretch. And they have the third most or fourth most titles. Uh, I think it's third – they're either third or fourth in total – I think it's th- uh, fourth total titles. UConn, Kentucky, and Duke, I think, with more. But they're a program that just wins. They just win.
0: Duke has more than North Carolina?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think North Carolina has five, four, four maybe? That's a good question. You're going to put me on the spot here. National, t- national championships.
2: The, the one last thing I, I'll say just about
1: our bracket – Challenge. Um, oh, well, six. UCLA oh, I, I
0: has it. more than anybody. UCLA I mean,
1: has 11. Yeah. North Carolina has six. Yeah. I, maybe they were Maybe they were fourth. Maybe I was thinking in the last. Yeah. Oh, Oh. you know what? I'm sorry. You know what I'm thinking of since the tournament expanded. In were eight, you thinking it, no, in lacrosse? Or were no, you no, 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 no. Sorry. Since the tournament expanded in 85 was what I was thinking. Okay. North Carolina, they have four since then, but they have six total. Okay.
2: Yeah. What are you saying, Casey? Daniel H., the, the one guy that won our bracket tournament actually predicted UConn's correct final score in the championship. No, 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 Yeah.
1: No, no. The final score was 70,
2: 76 to 68. He 59, predicted fifty-nine. 59. I know, but he predicted UConn's final score correctly. Oh,
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That's off to him. He won the whole thing, so I know we're going to do something special for that, right? Yeah, who is that? I have no idea. Daniel H. Off the Bench is the name of his bracket, but we don't know what his
0: username is. So. so Daniel H., if you're out there watching right now, we send you a hearty congratulations from Off the Bench. All right, let's shift gears for a minute to baseball. We'll get more to the basketball game in a minute. Uh, and how about that game last night at Great American Ballpark? I mean, very exciting. And again, I keep coming back to this rules thing because, look, I was the lone voice in the wilderness. And I'm not patting myself on the back by saying this. I was saying that baseball was going straight in the tank because of pace of play and analytics. And I'm glad at least one person out there, he being Rob Manford, who I'm not a big fan of. But he agreed and looked to do something. Case in point last night, that game would have gone four hours and 15 minutes. It wound up around 240. Mind-boggling. Exciting, moving, Action. Reds trailed 3-0. They were down again 6-4. And they came back. You have the home run. I do. From Jason Vossler, the former Cubby farmhand. Woo! Left field. Half start His night. second home run of the year. That's
3: gone. Home run, Jason Vossler.
0: 29 years old is Jason Vossler. Drafted by the Cubbies. Grew up in Jersey. So a Jersey guy. Tough guy, right? Well, they like to think they're tough guys. But uh, this guy, you know, he bounced around the minor leagues in the Cubs for years and years and years. Finally, a couple of other teams picked him up, let him go, made his major league debut with the Giants. They let him go. He was even signed to a contract in January this year by Seattle. Four days later, they cut him. I've never understood how those things happen in football, basketball, baseball. I've never understood it. Anyway, Reds win last night. The bullpen... Covers five innings with six different pitchers, allowing only one run, 7-6 a final. The Reds already, they have played four games this season. They have matched their win total for the entire month of April last year. Think about that. And it's only April the 4th. They've won three games. Cincinnati is tied with Milwaukee. Atop the National League Central at 3-1 and one on the year game. Two of the series tonight at GABP 640 first pitch.
1: Yes. Speaking of Milwaukee, did you see the flyover disaster they, they,
0: yesterday? They, well, didn't. Somebody told me they had a flyover mishap with the Reds on opening day.
1: Well, so that, the flyover happened too early. Yes, it happened. No, but
0: it didn't even fly over the stadium. Everybody heard it and didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't
1: see it. I didn't see it.
0: Uh, Nobody saw it. it. My dad told me this the other night.
1: And it it was too early and I didn't see it. I thought maybe I didn't see it because they flew over and, you know, it was like I was too late looking up or whatever it was. Maybe they had flown over so fast I just looked up and missed it. But that doesn't surprise me that they they missed the stadium because I didn't I looked up didn't see anything and they were early. But then yesterday, in Milwaukee, they did a flyover yeah. and the roof
0: was closed. That's right. Well, you get the woke military. That's what you start to get. Mm. That's what you start to get. You can't even fly over a punch in a coordinate and let the jet fly right over the stadium. I mean, how hard can it be? Um, Angels third baseman Anthony Rendon is now serving a four game suspension it was originally five some of you may have seen that public altercation he had with a fan in oakland over the weekend rendon grabs this guy claims that the guy called him a bitch and then takes just a i mean complete wimp sort of swing at the guy we swung and missed and um suspended four games By the way, it should be noted, the two of those guys, Rendon and the fan, later spoke to one another on the phone, each apologizing and hoping they can all just move on. So that's at least a happy ending to the story. Not a happy ending. We're hoping it won't be a bad, bad ending for our old friend Johnny Cueto. You may have seen last night. After signing a one-year contract with the Miami Marlins, he took them out and had to leave the game very early on with uh, some soreness in his arm. You hope he gets good news over the weekend and that that is not a serious injury. And lastly, I always point this out because I am a number one animal lover. Today is World Stray Animal Day. As we know, there are millions of stray animals on the roads, across the globe without few, food they're abused they're sick they're neglected living a life with no home no love no care and we ask you to do your part and try to please help them when you see them. please do so on that note um the red legs everybody's talking right now about the reds it's only four games in and you know what why not celebrate it while you got it i don't think any of us and we were talking about this before we went on the air I don't think any of us truly believes that they are going to contend for anything this year as far as a postseason appearance is concerned. But, you know, when people start throwing out that word never, I don't like that word never, okay? Or when they say no chance. And believe me, I'm a guy who uses those, those words together a lot. But, but I don't like them together because you always have a chance. If you're taking the field against somebody, you might have all the odds stacked against you, but you just never know. But the bottom line is, I think a lot of people, even though it's the Pirates and the Cubs, and, and neither one of them are any good. I mean, the Cubs aren't any good. And we know the Pirates aren't any good. Um, I'm not so sure who is any good, to be honest with you, in the National League Central. I, I'm not buying into the Cardinals. Uh, Milwaukee has really good pitching. We'll see if Milwaukee has enough offense. The Brewers are 3-1, and one, as I mentioned. But the bottom line is they won three out of four games. And it's something at least to be excited about after four games, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we talked so much through the offseason
1: about what this team could be, the prospects. This season isn't about wins and losses because you just want to see the prospects develop. You want to have hope for 2024, and then you think that that's the season that maybe you start to turn a corner. But, look, this season could get off the rails quick. So if you're going to get wins – if you're going to be above 500, this team is above 500, which is something that you couldn't say about the Reds last year at any point in the
0: season. Yep.
1: So if you're going to get some wins, put a smile on your face. Enjoy it because they've been exciting wins. It's three wins in a row, not just a win here and a win there. You're getting a 3-1 and one start to the season. It's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. And <laughs> I, the one thing – I don't know
2: because I'm new to baseball – but the fact that they but had... But you're trying at it, Casey, and I give you
0: a lot of credit for
2: it. The fact that they had seven different pitchers and still won the ball game, I think, says a lot, too.
0: Well, I mean, their bullpen is an area where... You know what? And, and, and many of you, and I totally get it, and as I've said on this show before, okay, I am not beholden to the Reds. Family history, my old job, no nothing, okay? If they're good, I'll say they're good. If they stink, I'll say they stink, period, Okay? I don't get as wrapped up in this whole spend the money and blah, 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 blah. But one area that they could have been better coming into this season was the bullpen without spending a whole lot of money. Because when you have young pitchers like Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, and the last two guys in the rotation, you know, we'll see. I mean, maybe they bring somebody up. Who knows? Maybe somebody steps up, Overton gets better. I don't know. He wasn't any good last night. But... You know, it, it doesn't take a ton of money to build a bullpen where when you have a lead, you like your chances of holding the lead. And I don't think even the most optimistic Reds fan out there feels like this is a bullpen. When you just go back and look at the back of their bubblegum cards, okay? I mean, you got guys that are 33 years old that didn't pitch in the big leagues for the first time until last year or maybe the year before. I mean, you, you could have found some guys... To put together at least closer to a stabilized bullpen, which they don't have. Now, they were really good last night. Um, that kid who hit that ball with two on in the uh, eighth inning. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but that guy's going to be a player. Vossler? No, 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 for the Cubs, who oh, hit that rocket I- Down to first base, left-handed hitter that ended the eighth inning with two on. Oh, yeah,
1: God, what a play.
0: I'm drawing a blank on the kid's name. But, I mean, you can just tell by looking at him at the plate. And they they put up his minor league numbers here in the telecast last night. This guy, I mean, he hit a rocket that was headed for the right field corner, caught by the first baseman, slightly shifted near the line, with a one-run lead in the eighth. And, um, and the Reds hang on. So good for them. And um, they go back at it tonight. Tonight's an interesting game. You know, you always have to look at baseball as far as just, yeah, I mean, everybody says, you know, it, it one game at a time. That's true. There's no doubt. Okay? But you have to look at it series by series. All you want to do, if you want to be a competitive team, and I'm not telling anybody out there anything you don't know, is you got to win series. Now, for me, tonight, tonight, they got to win the game. Hunter Green is pitching tomorrow, but Hunter Green is not Stroman. Not yet. He might be down the road, but that's the matchup tomorrow afternoon, and that's one of those games where you flip a coin, but the other guy's pitcher is really good. Yours has a chance to be good. He's not there yet. Now, we heard a lot from David Kaplan about the young man pitching for the Cubs tonight. Big, huge prospect. I mean, they're talking about this guy maybe being a 20-game winner one day. And uh, Cess is pitching for the Reds. He's been, you know, in and out, up and down, whole nine yards. Uh, it's supposed to be a beautiful night down there. But tonight is at night. If you want to win the series, you would clinch a series, obviously, with a win tonight. But that's the game you got to go win. Because all of a sudden, you can go from being 3-1, and one, feeling like you got a nice start here, a little momentum, then you, 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 you spit one up tonight, you know, you get shut out tomorrow, and then you're 3-3, three and three, and you're hitting the road for Philadelphia and Atlanta. Speaking of Philadelphia, 0-4. They're already without Hoskins, out for the year, knee injury. Bryce Harper, they were hoping to have him back by the time the Reds came rolling into town uh, for the Phillies opening day. Later this week, when the Reds go on the road for the first time, he's not going to be back. Uh, in fact, they're going to give everybody uh, an official update on where he is and when he is coming back. Uh, but this team, now I know it's only four games in, but you got to know Philadelphia. Oh, man. I can't imagine what the sports talk shows are like right now in Philly. Can you imagine if the Reds go rolling in there and Philadelphia not won a game? And they're going to celebrate putting up the National League pennant, banner, all that kind of stuff, right? And you're owing 6
1: Just to get shut out by Connor Overton. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I was just looking at some of the
2: stats on the standings. Their differential right now is negative 25. It's worse than the league. They've given up 37 yeah. runs. Well, yeah, they're, they're pitching their a mess four. too. Well,
1: they're not just bad. They're really yeah, bad. No they're doubt about really it. Really bad.
2: Really bad. I mean, I, I'm i surprised. 37 might be the, the most. It is. Runs it is giving the most. up, yeah. Yeah. It is. Man. Philadelphia must be fuming.
0: Oh, boy. I mean, that town, man. I mean, it, I for, for people that have spent most of their lives in, in Cincinnati or most of their lives that's not New York or Philadelphia, there's just – you have to be there for a baseball season to believe it what it's like or maybe in some cases a football season it's just the the pressure is mind-boggling and guys who can go to philadelphia and succeed and play well or new york and succeed and play well um i think they're a cut above the rest i really do Uh, There are just some guys that are cut out for it, and there are other guys that are simply not cut out for it. That's why this year is going to be an interesting year for Castellanos. I know what you're thinking. Go ahead. Just get it off your chest. Let it go. Okay? Let it go. He did not have a good year last year. He's played in some big markets, but not, not Philly. Now he did some good things near the end of the year. But he did not have a good year last year. They brought in Trey Turner. He's off to an incredible start. They're getting everything they thought they were going to get from him. But without Harper and without Hoskins, all of a sudden, Castellanos, who already had enough pressure, is now going to be under the microscope to an even larger extent. And he strikes me as a personality kind of guy that could could deal with it. But we're going to find out. Because, man, there's nothing more uh, humbling than when you're a really good player. I remember Jeremy Bernitz. Remember him? Jeremy Bernitz, you guys may not be old. He was a big slugger, came up with Milwaukee, uh, signs a big free agent deal, goes to the Mets. And I remember we're there for a doubleheader with the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks were really good. I mean, they were really good. And the Mets were pretty good. And it was a doubleheader after a rainout on Friday night. And... A bunch of the guys that we were traveling with, we were supposed to have a Friday night game, a Saturday noon game on Fox, and then a Sunday day game. Well, the Friday night game gets rained out, so rather than play a doubleheader uh, or later in the year, back in those days, you were coming back. They decided, let's just do it tomorrow. So a bunch of the guys that I was broadcasting with had brought their wives on the trip, and they had bought tickets to the theater that night. So I'm like, guys, go ahead, I got you covered. I'll do the game solo on radio. My wife was not on the trip. I just said, I got you covered. So Jeremy Bernitz is this big slugger, high-profile guy, gamer. But I mean, he was having an awful year. He's batting like 170. It was brutal. And I think in that doubleheader, Randy Johnson starts the first game, left-hander. Bernitz is a left-handed batter. So just file that one. Burnett strikes out four times in the first game. It's a beautiful sunny day, huge crowd, old Shea Stadium. And I mean, the booze start in the first game like you've never heard of. And, And people in New York can boo better than anywhere in the world. Well, now comes the second game. First at bat, Burnett strikes out. Second at bat, Burnett strikes out. Third at bat. Next, and the crescendo. And I thought to myself, I have never in my life heard one player booed like he was booed. <laughs> that You don't get that in Cincinnati. If Joey Votto struck out seven times in a doubleheader, he wouldn't be booed one time.
2: No, I don't think so. The only time Cincy fans really boo loud is if it's Deshaun Watson or Ben Roethlisberger. But
1: they don't boo their own.
2: They don't boo their Normally. own, guys. Normally. Normally.
1: Sometimes. I'm trying to think.
2: Oh, I know. Shane Graham missing five field goals. That was, oh, that boy. was bad. Oh, boy. Shane Graham. Yeah, I went to that game. I went to that playoff game. That was really bad. I remember some of the fans. We were on the very top deck, like the third section or whatever. Nosebleeds. And there was fans throwing empty beer bottles. Or beer cans or whatever. They're throwing it from the very top. They were so mad.
0: Now, Sir Boy Wonder says the Reds fans booed Ken Griffey Jr. I wasn't here when, Ken, when he was here, so I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Um, so now all of a sudden the Reds are back at it tonight. We were talking about they go to Philadelphia. They play tonight and tomorrow against the Cubbies. Uh, great pitching matchup tomorrow. The weather's supposed to be really nice. I, I think tomorrow. I may, have missed, I may have been looking at another day. Maybe Friday's the day. It's supposed to be really nice anyway. Um, then they go to Philadelphia. And we've talked about their start. Then they go to Atlanta, who many people believe is the best team in the National League. But we were looking it up earlier today about, you know, the red schedule. And a lot of times it's not always who you play. It's when you play them. Um, and you know, you look from now for the next month, the teams that they're going to be playing. And again, who knows when you get to play but you've got Philly and the Braves on the road. Then Philly turns around and comes here, followed by Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, one of two teams in major league baseball undefeated through the first four games of the year. Then they go to the pirates. Brutal Rangers can hit. They can hit.
2: I mean, they scored 16 against Philly. (laughs) I mean, that
0: team might come rolling in here and score 40 in three games. Then they go to the Athletics, who aren't very good, but you're going out to Oakland. On that same trip, you're going to San Diego. Then, then, you know, basically in the first month of the season, you still got the White Sox, the Mets, the Yankees, the Cardinals. So, you know. I'm not getting carried away by any stretch of the imagination with the Reds. I'm not going to say what they are or what they aren't. But uh, it's a good start, nonetheless. Um, want to get back. Uh, we were talking about over the weekend how you feel bad for guys, right? Paul, you and I were looking at that video of the Baltimore-Boston game today. Oh, uh, Ryan McKenna. Oh, my Woof. God. Can we, pull, can we pull this up? Yeah. yeah. For That's people that have, that have not seen this. this. I saw it last night. I know it happened on April the 1st. So, you know, look, it's a little old, but oh, my gosh. Uh, This was heartbreaking. And you got to have some compassion. I mean, we're talking about booing and all this kind of stuff. But, man, you got to have some compassion for guys when things don't go their way. Let me know when you have this. I will. This is Baltimore on the road at Fenway Park. Okay, a couple of days ago. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. Right? And Baltimore has a lead. And what you're about to witness is Baltimore gets the batter to pop up to short left field. This is a play most of you who play Little League, play nothole, right? I'm not talking about the, the T-ball stuff here, but I'm talking when you get to be about okay? Here it is. Watch this. This would have ended the game. Pops it up. There we go. Ready to celebrate. Left fielder's there. Clank. Drops the ball. So, pitcher can't believe it. The batter was jogging. I mean, the guy should be standing at second base. I'm sure the local announcers didn't say anything about that. That would have been the winning run, by the way. So, two pitches later, yes.
1: yeah, game tying run because two. Pitches yeah, I mean game later, tying run. Yeah. This, this is well. This clip is long enough that you're about to see what happens.
0: Okay, so this is the drop. I mean, it, it's happened to every one of us, and the young man is just so distraught. You, you can see. You can only wonder what's going through his mind out there, shaking his head, wants to crawl in a hole, right? Pitcher thinks the game is over. You hear a lot about that. Okay, I, I got have a that funny, last out.
1: I have a funny story about this pitcher uh, when we're done. All
0: right, now this is Adam Duvall. Yes. The longtime Red, pride of Louisville, Kentucky. Love this guy. You can see in the game already, he had tripled and homered and doubled. Pretty good day for Adam Duvall, right? Yeah. So now here he is, first pitch of the at-bat, ball one. Remember, this game should be over now. Bautista thinks, okay, i got to regroup. Love Adam Duvall. One on, two out, last of the ninth, Boston down a run. Bye-bye. Laser that clears a green monster in left center. And, of course, the first shot you're going to see is... After Duvall gets home and celebrates with his teammates. Yep. Yikes. Oh, just keep this rolling. I mean, this kid is just, and I'm not picking on him. I'm really not. I mean, this looks like the end of a postseason series, doesn't it? With the lights going on and off, that whole kind of thing. Yeah. So you were you were getting ready to tell a story about Bautista.
1: Yeah, Bautista. Great, funny story. So Bautista was the closer for the Bay Sox when I was there in 2019 – or 2021. He was there for about a month. And he shows up. I mean, he's huge. You could see it from the clip right there. He's massive. Mm-hmm. But it was COVID, so I wasn't allowed to go down and really talk to the team much as far as, like, getting pregame stories or anything like that. I had to go down, talk to the manager, do whatever I sure. could – but I wasn't really able to interact too much with the players until later on in the season. So as the season went on, I was given a roster. And part of your duties as a play-by-play broadcaster in the minor leagues is to, you know, Tom, you would know this, you know, curate the the roster and, and put the game notes together yep. and, and write about all the players and everything. So all I know is what I was given because I wasn't able at the time when Bautista got called up to us, go down and get his information. So I go to the website milb.com, and I see that he's listed at 6'5", 190 pounds. He comes out of the bullpen for the first time, had never seen him before. And I'm sitting there up in the press
0: box. 190.
1: Door. I'm sitting there up in the press box, and I'm going – I look at my broadcast partner, Adam Pohl, and I go, this guy looks a whole lot bigger than 190 pounds, huh. but maybe something's off here. I don't know. So about three weeks later, I go down. I have to walk something down to the, cu- the clubhouse – And all the guys are long tossing before a game. It's like a Sunday afternoon. His throwing partner is on the foul line and Bautista is way out in the outfield. And I look out there and I'm 6'3". So as far as height goes, I'm looking out and I'm going, you know, I'm a tall guy, but he's a lot taller than me and he's throwing. Neither one of them speak English, very good English. But the one he was throwing with on the foul line closer to me spoke decent enough English that I asked him, I said, Hey. How tall is he? And everybody around started laughing. I guess they had the roster up in the clubhouse and they had made like an inside joke about how the roster was listed wrong. I'm going, I have no idea. I'm just going off the website. So I said, can you ask him how tall he is? And he didn't really get what I was trying to say. So I I go tall and he looks out and he goes, tall, how tall? How tall he goes, six, seven. Okay, that that, that checks out. I go, how much does he weigh? And he was like, kind of trying to think about it. And he turns around goes big how wide how big and he goes 270 and i go yeah 67270 is a whole lot better than 65190 that's a big man he was a unit that, is a unit
0: that is a big man
1: yeah yeah massive 67270
0: i'm wondering is he a uh a dominican
1: uh He's, he is. Felix Bautista, Felix, right? Felix Bautista. Yeah, yes, he, he is from Latin American. Is he's he's Dominican? from a Dominican. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's huge. And he's not an ounce of fat. I mean, it is all muscle, power pitcher, gets up there, throws 100, straight gas.
0: He got hung with a loss in that game uh, yesterday. In mean, that game we just showed you, obviously, to no fault of his own. Yeah. But uh, he already has two saves for the fight in Orioles. Oh, yeah. He's bounced around a while. It was with the Marlins, Orioles. Yeah, he's only 20, just turned 28 years old. But he had a good year last year. He had 15 saves, very low ERA for Baltimore. Big, strong dude. <laughs> Big, strong dude. Get him on a line somewhere. Where are the Reds, Bautistas? I know. You know, what Harry Carey used to say all the time. We're doing the Cubs games when the Cardinals are bringing up Bennis after Bennis after Bennis. You guys don't remember these guys, but Andy Bennis had a great career. His brother, Alan Bennis came up. And I remember just sitting with Harry one time in his limo. He's like, why can't the Cubs get a Bennis? Where's the next Bennis? Where's the Reds, Bautista? That's a great. Some animal throwing down there 8,000 miles an hour, 6'7", 270. Where's that guy?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because Bautista, when he went through the minors in 2021, he started – I believe he started in low A. And when—and he by the time he finished that season, he was all the way up in AAA because I remember by the second time he came out of the bullpen in A with us, we all looked at each other in the press box and we said, yeah, this guy isn't going to be here long. And he was there for maybe six, seven, eight saves, and then he went on up to AAA – And then last year was, I mean, look, he's not contending for Rookie of the Year, but he had he was he had a hell of a year. He was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball last year,
0: no doubt. Once he got the chance to, yeah, no doubt about it. Once he
1: got, once he was given the keys to the car at the back end of the bullpen, and Baltimore starts doing the the closer uh, starts doing the music, um, the whistle, Omar's whistle from the wire. when he would come out of the bullpen, I mean it. It was it was electric watching him pitch last year, and I just keep thinking to myself, "You're right, Tom. This, he com- he came completely out of nowhere. Low A, I think it was Low A. I know it was A ball. Might have. I think it was Low A, or or at least it was. Um, well,
0: they we sign these guys young. You know, like yeah. I was talking. We were talking about yesterday. The Marlins signed this guy as a 16 year old. You know, and he's floundering around and, you know, doing his thing, probably wild as could be, and then Baltimore gets him, and now they got what they got. Somebody in the chat, Alex, says the Reds' version was Jumbo Diaz.
1: <laughs> Jumbo!
0: I love Jumbo. Jumbo! <laughs> he was a good dude. I so, wish he'd had a better career. So
1: Felix is now listed. They must have got the memo, Tom, because he's now listed on the MLB website as six eight two eighty five. Not an ounce of fat. 6'8", 285. Could you imagine being that large? Uh,
0: Definitely not. Uh, Nick Kirby, our good friend, of course, who does a lot of work for Chatterbox, he says the Reds' version of this guy is Ricky Karcher. He's at Louisville right now. But he looks like a cornerback next to this guy who's your defensive lineman. Karcher's big man now, 6'4", 230. Big man right but um
1: he's not 6'8 no
0: he's not <laughs> no he's not. and that doesn't mean he won't be a better pitcher because maybe he will so we we asked the question and and um we thank Nick he's all over it can
1: you I mean seriously Tom as you would say seriously 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 yes can you imagine stepping into the batter's box Looking out there. No. I mean, I know Randy Johnson. He was a tall guy. Well, but you, he you wasn't get a monster. tall guys. Yeah,
0: but he wasn't a monster.
1: But I'm saying you step into the batter's box. I'm thinking like Henry Rowengartner here. You step into the batter's box. Who? Who did you just say? Henry Rowengartner. Rook the Rookie Rookie of the
0: Year? The movie? I've never seen that movie. It's a Cubs movie. Okay, uh, Okay. It was go fun. ahead, go ahead, go oh. ahead. Yeah,
1: Henry, Rowe, he, he little, the kid that like broke his arm and then he threw 100 miles an hour. You know that movie.
0: If I do, it's been a while. Go okay, ahead. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. All right.
1: So anyway, he steps into the box, the little kid breaks his arm, throws a million miles an hour, but he's asked one day to hit and he steps in the box and he's just cowering in the back of the box. Can you imagine stepping into a batter's box facing six eight two eighty five? 100 miles an hour no
4: I'm no
2: a, I'm a I got an image of the movie this is something I used to watch as a as a kid all the time this movie yeah this movie. well
0: obviously it must have made a, a, a dramatic impact on you because you John you Candy? never followed baseball after this movie no so did. that must have really struck yeah. a chord with Casey McAllister I'm pretty sure this came out while you were with the Cubs no chance I think so. No, it can't be that old. Dude, you're talking a long time ago. What year was that?
1: It's old. Yeah, I mean, I But it ain't
0: 1990.
1: 1993. Yeah,
0: 93. Oh, wow. Okay, then I stand corrected. Once again, I was there doing the Cubbies games. Yep. Reed Mouse. Oh, there you go. Reed. Yeah, in the chat. Yeah,
1: it's a good... it's, It's just a feel good. Like, it's not... It's not... Honestly, I would get—I—I I should be more critical of you for not knowing Rookie of the Year than John Cena.
0: <laughs> I am. We're being honest because this is at least, least right near wheelhouse. I am the least in tune human being most people have ever met when it comes to, um, you know, a lot of different topics as I prove on the show on a daily basis.
1: It's a good movie. Go back and watch that with Luke. Father-son bonding. Rookie of the Year.
0: It's a not movie. a lacrosse movie, right? It's a not. baseball movie. <laughs>
1: How's he doing? How's the year
0: going? 3-0. Big one tomorrow night. Big one tomorrow night against Milford. Milford's got a really, really good team. They're a huge school. You know, they got six 700 kids in a graduating class. We have 110. Tiny little old public school. Uh, you elitist on the East Coast wouldn't know anything about that. Wouldn't know anything. The Catholic schools, you know. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, Okay, Uh, I I, I want to ask you something, though, totally shifting gears away from this for a second, because we were talking about this in case he posed a question to sort of tie a ribbon around this whole basketball season for a minute. Um, You cover the Musketeers regularly. You're down there for every home game. You're there for a lot of road games. You were covering the Big East tournament uh, for the Big East Conference uh, up at Madison Square Garden. All right, we've talked about UConn. We'll find out who stays, who goes. End of the day. We know Colby Jones is gone. Yeah. All right? Who stays and who goes? We know that Tandy has already filed for the portal, right? Three others along with him, correct? Yeah. So four totals, primarily backup guys. Let me start with those guys. Because I thought Tandy had a chance to be a good player when he first started there. Erratic, up and down, but his freshman year was a pretty good player. Not bad, right? On a bad team or a mediocre team. Uh, A team that didn't make the tournament. But he was getting a lot of minutes his freshman year there. Then he got hurt and wasn't the same guy. Didn't play as much this year. He showed up in very good shape this year. Um, But, you know, look, they had other guys that were ahead of him. Of any of those four guys, let me ask you this question specifically. I must admit. Of any of those four guys, any of them they were counting on to be an impact for the team next year?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I, th- I don't think that this is a situation that's going to really change the dynamic of next year's team. No. So now you're waiting on decisions from Zach Freemantle, uh, Jerome Hunter, Jack Nungey. Um, trying to think All right. Of,
0: so let's walk through each, each of those guys because you know they, they've got a good recruiting class coming in, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, very good recruiting. Okay, class. Okay.
0: So let's talk about really quick. Each of these guys. Nunji's coming
1: back, right? I don't know. I mean, he's 24. He's going to gonna be 25. He's married. Maybe he wants to go just
0: live his life. Live his life doing what? Going to work?
1: M- maybe. I mean, he's I mean, instead a- of
0: playing basketball and getting a scholarship and probably grad school, right? I mean, yeah. He's a big academic guy too, right? Yeah. Really good academic student. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, look, I don't know Jack Nungy. You know Jack Nungy. Okay, you're married, but, I mean, he's got to be getting some NIL money. Yeah. Right? So, he's sticking a few bucks in his pocket. There's a very good chance he's probably putting more money in his pocket, staying at Xavier, right, like a lot of these kids do at different places, than than going out and getting an entry-level job at some place here in town or somewhere else, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Some of these guys, guys, and I'm not speaking for Nunji, some of these guys, after they've been in college for so long, just – Want to be done with the college season. And they just, they just want to be done. I you get know, it. Which, which I can't really blame them. Um, Cam Craft is another one. Uh, Des Claude, for, uh, yes, has, I guess, a decision to make, but I, I would very much expect him to be back next year. Jerome Hunter is the one you're really looking at right now. Uh, Jerome and Jack Nunji, for sure, are two guys that really have some big decisions to make. And Zach Fremantle, those are the big three because I think everybody expects at this point Des Claude. Uh, Cam Craft, two freshmen from this year to come back. Uh, so when you're looking at the the decisions to be made because of the four that now have already left, um, plus, of course, Sule Boom, Adam Kunkel being lost to graduation, yeah. really the three big decisions are Jerome Hunter, Jack Nungi and um, Zach Fremantle. Fremantle last year never really made a decision. It was kind of funny when Sean Miller got hired Throughout that week after Sean Miller got hired, obviously you have meetings with everybody. You decide, hey, do I want to go to the transfer portal? Do I want to return? And every day that week, one after one after one, it was like every day each player had their own day to announce that they were coming back. Zach never announced anything. He just kept showing up, kept showing up, and all of a sudden it was opening night and Zach Fremantle's in the starting lineup. He just kept showing up. There's part of me that wonders if that's just what's going to happen again this year where it's just you don't really hear anything from him. He's not really that kind of guy. He's not going to yep. go out there and make some crazy video about him coming back. It doesn't maybe he will because that's what this day and age is, but he didn't do that last year. He doesn't really strike me as that guy unless he understands and appreciates that it's uh, what kind of a decision it is this year. Um I'll be very interested to see Fremantle the I'm, I'm, I am more interested to, to hear Fremantle's decision uh, than the other two. I, I, you, you haven't heard anything from Jerome Hunter yet. he still has a year left next year, and, and then Jack Nunji, too. I would not be shocked if I would set I would say two of those three guys are on Xavier's team next year. I'm not sure which two though. okay, but I'll say, I'll say two of the three. I'm not
0: entirely sure which two. Well, if they get all three back, because they're all three excellent players. I mean, really good players. Outstanding players. um, To build a nice nucleus around, Uh, along with some of the other guys you have coming back. I I mean, again, I can't speak for any of those guys uh, on where they are, like you said, with college. I mean, heck, you know, there are a lot of us that would have stayed in college for 41 years if we had the chance. I'd go back now. But I come to Hamilton every day. I can't go back to Athens. A town. I could spend a solid ten years in A town.
1: How long would you last in A town right now? If you oh, Bill, you kidding
0: me? You're right at the front of the line. You like Mardi Gras down there every day. Not right now, because I'm still not drinking. Uh, how's that going? Well, I you know I I I I leaned on you know minister and 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 and, 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 and then I talked to some of your Catholic brethren. They told me about the 46 days. I knew about 40 days of Jesus being tempted by Satan and turning away from sin, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, we had talked all along. I, you know, three days. I took my Catholic feast days, if you will. Sure. Right? Okay. Only three. Uh, and had a few beers down in the Dominican. Uh, but but since stepping back in to uh, the United States, I've been back only a few days, but I'm carrying it all the way through Easter. I will go well past a total of 50 days without drinking. Just not, there's a three-day window in there. But my heart is in the right place.
1: So Monday morning, you'll come in here severely hungover.
0: No, not Monday morning. That, that's the only thing that bums me out a little bit is because missing a Saturday night with, you know, some of the boys can't do it. Can't do it. We got to make it. Casey, you know what I mean? We got to make it. We got to make it. All right, Ham and Eggers, take it away. Now, what we got going on today, we started yesterday that we're going to take a division a week leading up to the NFL draft. And we're going to zero in on one team. Yesterday, the Falcons. We thank Aaron Freeman for his time. Today, we're going to focus on the team with the number one pick in the NFL draft, the Carolina Panthers. That will be coming up at 11 o'clock. Paul Doherty at 1130. No Tracy Jones today. Uh, apparently taping Brenneman and Jones on baseball uh, and being with Marty Brenneman is far more important than being with us on Off the Bench. The big league operator. Ham and Eggers! On the day the Trumpster is in New York! <laughs> that brag ought to be in jail. Go ahead, fellas, take it away. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments.
2: No, I thought that was Tom's guy, but I guess not. <laughs> I don't know, I'm mistaken, I guess.
1: (laughs) Are you okay? You all right? (laughs) Uh, The Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is a new premium alkaline water out. It's Pawnee. It's right here. It tastes great. Pawnee water. Right here. You can see it on the camera. Pawnee. P-A-H-H-N-I. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. And it uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That's P A H H N I Water.com. P A H H N I Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Bet with Betfred, get your coffee from UDF, drink Pawnee water, and get your, on, get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. So that is our uh, sponsorship read here. We have everything taken care of. You can see all the lines down there that Casey dutifully put in this morning before the show. All the NBA and MLB lines, we have a lot more lines to put in now. Although, sad that college basketball betting season is over. Yeah. Seems like just yesterday we were sitting there, wherever we were sitting on the first day of the season, sweating that Baylor and Mississippi Valley State over. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago in the run of this show. A lot has happened since then over the course of this college basketball season. But now here we are. Now we're stuck with... NBA lines that are outrageous.
2: I mean, I was surprised. They've changed a lot since I stopped betting.
1: We're close We're close to NBA postseason. Very close. Very, very close. A couple games away. A couple games away. Um, Everett makes a good point about the Masters line, so I'll get some of those up there tomorrow, especially as we get closer. Yeah, I'm not sure if Betfred currently has them up right now. I think they – I saw them earlier. I think. If they do, we'll definitely have them on tomorrow.
0: Some of the big names up there. Yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of the Masters, they I don't do. know if Casey uh, brought it up. But uh, Thursday, we have a great guest coming on with us. Steve Flesh. Oh, let's go. 11-time winner in professional golf. 11-time winner. He's finished in the top seven in the Masters, in the U.S. Open, in the pga championship local kid grew up across the river went to the university of kentucky Uh, you've seen him on uh, multiple broadcasts he's a really sharp guy he was on the fox telecast when they had the us open he's been on the golf channel for years and years he's now playing on the senior tour and playing quite well Uh, he is not playing augusta Uh, sadly he just lost his mom uh, a number of days ago so he's been back here in town Uh, And he has agreed, and we certainly appreciate it, to join us on Thursday to talk about the Masters. And I certainly want to get into with him, um, you know, this whole uh, Live and PGA Tour thing, because he will have incredible insight into that. Fred Couples, some of you may have seen uh, before we get to football here, Fred Couples made some comments uh, about Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia where he called Phil Mickelson a whack job, and he called Sergio Garcia a clown. Now, he was asked about that at Augusta yesterday. Um, And Fred Couples is one of the great players uh, in the history of golf. There's no question about it, and and it seems to be a very, very likable guy. Uh, Old Buddy, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he a college teammate, college roommate of Jim Nance uh, at the University of Houston? Yep. Yeah, so they're good friends. Um, And he was asked, you know, hey, do you stand by those comments? He said, I stand by them. He said, Liv's paying Phil Mickelson a couple of hundred million dollars at 50-something years old to go shoot 74, 75. He said, and then Sergio, who's one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. These were couples' words. uh, But couples took great offense to some of the comments Sergio made about the PGA Tour. And couples had said, hey, 43 years of my life have been given to the PGA. Uh, and I don't like people badmouthing it. And I think that's fair to say. If you want to leave, leave. You don't have to badmouth anybody walking out the door. Because who would Sergio Garcia be without the PGA Tour? You wouldn't even know who he is. Right. Right? So, you know, I think we all see both sides of it. I don't think anybody has any problem whatsoever with somebody offering you if you're Phil Mickelson or you're Brooks Kepka or you're Dustin Johnson. Or any host of other guys out there, somebody's offering you 80, 90, 100, $150 million just to show up, forget how you score. I mean, you know, look, God bless you if uh, if you're going to walk away from that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be blaming guys uh, for doing it. But um, we'll see what happens this week. But we're really excited to have uh, Steve Flesh coming up. Are we good with hey. Carolina?
2: Not, I have not seen him dial in yet. I okay. was just about to say, though, you should also pub your big interview for tomorrow.
0: Big interview tomorrow, Dan Plisak. Now, many of you uh, who are in the younger generation, like Casey and Paul, uh, know Dan Plisak from uh, – you see him virtually every day on the MLB network. Um, he also uh, is part of that video game, The Show. Do you guys like that video yeah, game? MLB The Show. I love that game.
1: I haven't played it as much recently.
0: Okay, but he's in that. You see him on MLB Network. I remember him as a player. Uh, He came out of, uh, he was up around Crown Point, Indiana. If any of you have ever driven to Chicago, you drive right by that huge exit uh, in Indiana before you get to Chicagoland. Crown Point, Indiana. Grew up there. Great athlete. Went to NC State on a baseball scholarship. Number one pick by the Brewers. Uh, And, you know, they turn him into a reliever in the big leagues, three-time All-Star, still the Brewers, I think, all-time saves leader in games, saves, um, strikeouts, uh, all of these, per nine innings, all these kinds of different categories. He was a great pitcher for a short amount of time. Uh, finished his career bouncing around a little bit, but, but one awesome guy. So we're going to talk to him about, you know, his career a little bit and talk about these rule changes uh, that we've seen in Major League Baseball. He's very close to the big power brokers there uh, in Major League Baseball. So Dan Plesak. So my dad, Marty Brenneman, will join us right out of the gate tomorrow uh, at about 10-10. And then Dan Plesak will be our big interview tomorrow. Thursday, we push ahead uh, with a preview of either the Buccaneers on any given day, Buccaneers and Saints to finish out the week. Thursday, Steve Flesh joins us uh, to talk about the Masters. And Tracy Jones, hopefully, will be back in the fold. So a big week this week. We better start scrambling. <laughs> Basketball's over. I know. Football's over.
1: Baseball season, time. It's baseball
0: time. I know. <laughs> I know. The Real Spirit Cat says, uh, MLB The Show has gone to the uh, tank the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I haven't played it the last couple of years as much. But it, it's a good game. It's a staple. You, yep. know, you know what game's really gone in the tank the last few years is Madden. That game used to be the game to play. And now in the last, what, six, seven, eight years? Stop, you're hurting me. Oh, man. It's gone way downhill. FIFA. Best sports game on the market right now. What is? FIFA. The soccer, soccer. The soccer game. It, it's great. Yeah. I love playing FIFA. 2K, I'm not much of a 2K guy either. All these games get so complicated. Everybody wants player movement. Just let me press X to shoot the ball. Let me press A to pass. I don't need each individualized player with a different jump shot. All this timing, ball movement, defensive alignments. Let me just shoot and pass the ball, man. Well,
0: that's a problem with soccer.
1: No, no, no. I'm talking about 2K.
0: Oh, 2K. Okay, okay. All right, okay. I got you. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm talking thought... about 2K. All right. Okay.
1: That's what I'm saying. FIFA's about as basic as you can. I mean, there's obviously intricacies to it. But when 2K has turned into each player has their own shot that you got to memorize, it's, it's, it's too much. It's, a, it's too, much. too much. Let me just sit down, turn my brain off for a little while. Play a video game. now. Can't, can't have that. Can't have that.
0: Uh, Brian Vanover says, Athens, Ohio is the promised land. Road trip time. Brian, there have not been words spoken in this chat. Any truer than those. Everett says, and, and he made this point yesterday, I don't get it. Everett, I don't get it. He says, I'll be shocked if any of the Lib guys actually place in the top 10. He says, I cannot hate on them for taking the money, but they have not played meaningful competition in months. Okay. Fair point. I'll take my chances with Kepka. Well, this is a big one for Kepka because for somebody that
1: used to be such a killer and then came back, it's been hurt. Has looked like a
0: total shell of himself. Well, until the last couple of tournaments.
1: Yeah. And one over the weekend. Yeah. I mean. That's what I'm saying, that now he's at least playing a little better. This is a big one for him. Cam because,
0: Smith. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's no way. There's no way that I am uh, saying that somebody in, from Liv is not going to finish in the top ten. But we'll ask um, Steve Flesh what he thinks about it. We had a great guest yesterday, Aaron Freeman, talking about the Atlanta Falcons and all the moves that they've been making. And again, if you're just tuning in, what we're trying to do, and it's hard to run some of these people down, um, is get somebody who follows uh, a team, every NFL team around the league. Uh, We'll we'll get some guys that are a lot more analytical, sort of traditional media guys, if you will. And then we're going to get some guys uh, a little bit like Zim Uday. Who you know? I'm not so convinced that there aren't uh, that Jim Hudey doesn't much know as much about the Bengals as anybody who who's on the planet today. I think he does. Him and him and his main man Ace Boogie. So today we've got a guy that's more along the fan side, and that's Mike Bogart. He runs. Excuse me here a second. <clears throat> he runs um, at Keep Pounding. That's where you can find him. Uh, on Twitter, uh, and he has, you know, all the Carolina Panthers news opinions and chats, so on and so forth. he has got about uh, a little over 14,000 followers and, uh, the, the, um, the Panthers of course made that deal, uh, with the Chicago bears to take the first pick in the draft. And so, uh, I guess we're still waiting on him to join us.
2: Yes, yes, we're still waiting. I think he's uh, he's in the middle of driving. So,
0: oh yeah, he had his son. He told me that he had a child that I uh, had to go to the doctor this morning. So, hopefully, uh, he'll get back sometime soon because we got Paul at eleven thirty. Um. Anyway, uh, if you had the number one pick, and I know you're not following football morning, noon, and night for you two guys, number one pick in the draft, Casey, you take who? Is there an echo in here?
2: No, I just – I'm (laughs) – I would take C.J. Stroud if it were up to me. I think he's the most prototypical quarterback at the moment, Um, the safest pick. I don't think Bryce Young is – a like it's not a bad choice either. I don't think you can go wrong with either one, but I would rather be safe than sorry. And um, smaller quarterbacks besides Drew Brees – um, you know, are the ones that the smaller quarterbacks just generally don't work out. That's how I would explain it.
0: Well, I saw a guy yesterday and I can't remember who it was, but it's somebody that's really in the know and, and, and said that, that all of the NFL people have said that they believe that Bryce Young on every measurable there is from his intelligence not only you know his general intelligence, but his football intelligence, all the intangibles, all those kinds of things, that if he were 6'2 rather than 5'10, that they believe that he would be as solid a quarterback prospect coming out of college that there has been along with Joe Burrow over the last 10 years, that Bryce Young is that smart, he's that talented. But remember – Uh, he wouldn't even get on the scale to get how much he weighed which many believe is far less than 200 pounds Uh, he did step on uh, the scale to find out how tall he was he was listed over 6 feet at Alabama turns out he's 5'10 so Stroud you know you're looking at 6'3 you're looking at 215 220 and certainly has more room to grow from there and so um, you know look uh, somebody's got to pull the trigger. And oftentimes when you pull the trigger on a move like that with the number one pick in the draft, the Bengals had it. They hit the lottery. Some might say it was a no-brainer, but there have been number one picks in the draft, quarterbacks that have not worked out. The the Bengals hit the lottery in Burrow. Now the clock is on the Carolina Panthers. Is Mike ready to go? He is ready. Mike? Welcome, my friend. Great to have you with us here on Off the Bench. Uh, how's everything in Carolina Panthers land? I hope, first of all, is your, is your kiddo okay? Because I know you, you said you had one a little bit under the weather.
4: We do. We do. Yeah, she's. Uh, we got her to the doctor this morning. She's got strep throat. So it's just uh, just a matter of time before I get it myself at this point, it seems like. But uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll take that as it comes, huh?
0: Well, our thoughts and prayers. We hope she's okay. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes, All right. We were just talking about we, we like to play this game as you and I were chatting yesterday about, you know, uh where they've been, where they are, and where they're going. Talking about the Carolina Panthers. You look back last season, there there was a lot going on last season. McCaffrey starts a year with a team, ends up getting traded, the quarterback situation, on and on and on and on. Last year, when all was said and done, you look back at the Panthers' season and you say what?
4: You know, at the surface, it it looked like a disaster, really, right? Um, Had uh, another sub-500 year, uh, really flirting with the bottom of the division again. But uh, when when you kind of dig into it, we were... A quarter and a half away from winning that division. Granted, you know the NFC South has kind of been a disaster the the last couple of years, even with Tom Brady there. But uh, I mean, we we're playing in a position after Rule is is let go and, and Steve Wilkes jumps in and does a great job. Um, we're playing the Buccaneers in in the next to last week of the season to win the division, right? Um, we jump out to a quick fourteen to nothing lead, and, and then Tom Brady does Tom Brady things and and kind of buries us. But uh, Uh, At the surface level, it looked like another disaster season, but we were right there in the mix to to win the South.
0: Um, Well, you know, when you you talk about the coaching situation, how did you feel about that whole thing? Because everybody weighed in, had an opinion. Wilkes takes over. The team clearly played better uh, than they did in the early part of the year. And then Frank Reich is brought in. I think everybody agrees universally. Reich is a great hire. But what has the overall fan base reaction been to that decision?
4: You know, at first, to your point, Steve Wilkes had, had a great following. You know, he turned around a, a, what seemed to be a terrible team uh, and, and had them again right in the mix. He, I think he went 500 or, or right there at it with, with the team that rule built and, and just simply couldn't win with. So he, he definitely built a, a following here. He's he's from here, he's from Charlotte. Uh, you know, he had a lot of people in his corner. And uh, I, I think a lot of people were really upset at first when, when Wilkes didn't end up being the hire. But what Frank Reich has done since he uh, since he was hired has has really turned a lot of heads and really kind of turned that tide. I think, um, you know, with, with the hires he's made, you know, he, he's kind of gone the exact opposite route of what Rule did. You know, Rule hired buddies. He, he hired his staff from Baylor. He hired folks that he coached with at Temple, and and, and really just kept his buddies around. Whereas Reich went out. You know, immediately hire Deuce Staley, who I think we can all agree is, mm-hmm. is a great coach. And if you don't know a ton about him, just watch Hard Knocks from last year. He was he was great. Um, same thing with Isiro uh, Evero. He, he's one of the the up and coming defensive coaches, and has already been getting um, head coaching. You know,
0: um, your yeah, interviews, uh, you know, so, right? Right. No
4: one, yeah, he, he yeah he's had the interviews. He's had some traction there, but just haven't hasn't uh, quite gotten that uh, that opportunity. But it's coming. Uh, same thing with Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator. He he's been getting some love in the head coaching uh, rounds as well. So um, and, and then on top of that, you have Jim Caldwell, who has however many years of experience yep. and, and is a great offensive mind, uh, as well as Dom Capers, who was you know our first head coach back mm-hmm. in '95. He's been around forever. He he definitely has that. Uh, that pool in the league and and a lot of respect as well. So with with the hires he's made, you know, he's really opened the eyes. And I think uh, he's he's really got this fan base in his corner.
0: Well, it's a great fan base. Uh, I, I mean, I had a chance to broadcast many of their games through the years, including the first season they were down there and playing at Clemson. Uh, university, sure. and Dom Capers, as you mentioned, was the head coach. They went to the playoffs right out of the gate. They got to the Super Bowl very early on in the franchise's history. It's a great football market. A lot of people just think it's basketball. It's a great football market. Okay, now, where they are, before we get to the draft, um, Carolina's been very active in, in free agency trying to get this thing right. You took one of our very own here, a couple of them in fact, in uh, in Hayden oh, yeah. Hurst and Von Bell, I mean, I, I mean, you know already. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You got two really good players and really good leaders, especially Bell back there on the defense.
4: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're we're definitely familiar with Von Bell. Yeah, obviously, he started his career in New Orleans. Uh, he did a lot of good things down there before going up to Cincinnati. So, yeah, heck of a player on the back end, and, and that's really a position that uh, we needed to lock down. We, we've had Jeremy Chin. Uh, who, who's definitely still an up-and-coming safety, but he really thrives near the line. And, and what Rule did uh, right away was was move him to the back end, and his, his play kind of uh, slumped a little bit from there. So it'll be nice to have Von Bell in the back and, and really get Chin back there in that hybrid uh, safety linebacker role. So that, that's a great signing, uh, great player there. And then to your point, Hayden Hurst, uh, I mean, since Greg Olson uh, left and, and semi-retired and, and played his last year in Seattle, we haven't had a pass-catching tight end, and this is something we've we've lacked, and especially with a rookie quarterback inevitably coming in, uh, that that's something you need, and he's uh, about as good as there was on the market.
0: You know, you always get into uh, the whole thing about, you know, do you start a rookie quarterback, and that's been one of those things that's been debated, and, you know, people point to this situation and say, well, look what happened when he just sat out. Uh, on the sideline for a year, you bring in another former Cincinnati guy uh, who's had just an excellent career. I mean, he's, he's not won in the playoffs; he's not won the Super Bowl. But Andy Dalton was just a solid sign, and clearly, Reich understands the value of a veteran backup quarterback—at least theoretically. A backup quarterback is a feeling around Carolina uh, that 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 whoever the Panthers draft with that first pick. Is a guy that should be starting day one, or what a lot of people say? Hey, I get it. If you wanted to start the year with Andy Dalton, to your
4: point, he, he, he's a great, solid veteran. You know, uh, we, we got to face him a couple times last year in New Orleans, and uh, was he great? No, but he's solid. Uh, he's a serviceable starter, especially uh, in a crunch. Uh, he, he's going to come in. He's, he's going to get the job done. He's going to take care of the ball for the most part, and, and that's what you need. Um, Will he start? Uh, I think that depends who we draft, really. Uh, I I know you guys were talking uh, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young um, leading into it. I I think both of those guys are capable of coming in and starting day one. Um, I I think it was Casey that was talking. Uh, He said that Stroud would be his pick. He's the safest pick. I think I agree. Uh, I think he's the safest. Uh, Is that my preference? I don't think so. Uh, I think I would prefer to go Young over Stroud. He just – he has that it factor. Yeah, he's small. Yeah, he, he's hes slight of frame. Um, but he's got it, you know. Uh, you, you look at the tape, he makes every throw on the field. Uh, he avoids the big hits uh, in the pocket and outside of it. Uh, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse at this point, and, and I think he would probably be the day one starter. You you hear what all these football guys say um, after meeting with Young or talking to, to the yep. teams after they meet with Young. He's as bright as they come. You know, he's going to come in. He's going to have the playbook down, it seems like, immediately. And uh, he's going to lead a team, and and I think he'll be ready day one. Uh, I I see the only situation where Dalton might start is if they they really bet on upside and and they take a gamble on Richardson uh, down at Florida. I I think that's the only uh, opportunity at this point where I, I would see Dalton starting.
0: Well, I'll tell you what right now, somebody ought to be committed. And never work again in the NFL if they take Richardson over Stroud or Young
4: <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you, you know that's a fight I've been fighting in, in actually in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's funny uh, maybe not at one uh, that that would definitely take a trade back uh, you know even to yeah. Houston too if they're if if they're going to uh, be committed to young and and maybe he's not our guy, uh, you know gain a little bit of draft capital back and and if at that point you want to entertain Richardson. I understand yeah. uh, he's yeah. got all the upside in the world. He's just not a day one starter. I think everybody can agree with that. But uh, with the coaching staff we have in place, I might gamble. Uh, I, I really might. I mean, Fra- Frank Reich, obviously, uh, years and years of, of coaching experience or uh, as well as playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he coached guys in a similar mold uh, down in Philadelphia uh, with Jalen Hurts, and, and he had a lot of success there. Um, same thing with Josh McCown. He, he's he got years of experience playing and coaching, and, and um, that's not even to mention Jim Caldwell. So it, I, I feel like if there's a staff that's going to to reach Richardson's ceiling, I, I think we've got it. It's just a matter of how much time we're willing to give it.
0: Well, last thing I want to ask you, because we don't follow it closely enough, the Bengals and the Panthers played each other last year, and we were talking with Aaron Freeman from the Falcons yesterday. You know, when you go out of your division and you play somebody or out of your conference, whatever it might be, it's kind of like you pay attention to it for a week, you watch a game and you move on because you're not going to see them again for at least three more years. Is the offensive line going to be good enough, at least on paper, to protect whoever it is, uh, is the quarterback, whether it be Dalton or one of these rookie quarterbacks?
4: I think so. I think so. So uh, the one thing I will hand to Rule is, is that he left us with a good offensive line. I think last year last year we uh, ended up in the top 12 to 15, I guess, in the uh, PFF ratings uh, across the line. Uh, obviously, we invested uh, early last year in Iquanu uh, at the left uh, left tackle side yeah he got beat up a little bit early but uh after i think game two he he went about eight to ten games without even giving up a pressure and another two or three without giving up his next sack so uh he he really came along in his rookie year um you got brady christensen who who we drafted a couple years before that at, at guard uh bradley bozeman who i think is one of the best centers in the league uh we made him a priority uh resign this year in free agency and Uh, We locked him up and then Austin Corbett, who we got from the Rams and then uh, Taylor Moten, who's been uh, um, right there on the cusp of of being a pro bowler every year since uh, since he's been here. So, uh, yeah, I think so. And this is the first time and as long as I can remember that we're going to have a little bit of consistency year over year uh, on the offensive line. And we kept our offensive line coach, who is who's one of the better ones in the league as well. So. in terms of line, I, I'm, I'm incredibly confident um, okay. that, that we're going to be able to go ahead and keep a quarterback upright and, and then also have a good running game to, uh, to go with it.
0: All right, young man. And, again, uh, for those of you that would like to, uh, to follow, uh, please go to at keep – what is that, an under, what do you call that thing? I'm not.
4: Yeah, yeah, underscore. Keep underscore okay. pounding is, is where you got me on Twitter. And uh, I'm happy to uh, to banter and go back and forth all day. It's, uh, it's what I enjoy doing, especially uh, right now I'm out of work. Uh, we just had a baby a few weeks ago. So I've got a, a few more weeks of, of freedom without going back to the office.
0: All right. So if I'm going to put you on the spot, because since you don't have to go back to the office for a little bit, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're saying if you had the pick, you're taking Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Right yeah. Stroud.
4: If it's me, if I if I'm Scott Fitterer, that's the pick.
0: All right, we're going to hold you to that then. We're going to hold you to that, Mister. Don't Bogart. get me wrong.
4: C.J. Stroud is a stud. I, I'm incredibly thrilled if he's the pick too. But no,
0: me, we're it's not it's letting you up. off the hook there. We're not doing it. We're not doing hey. it. We're not doing hey. it. We don't know you, but we're not going to do it. You're bases. picking against our guy, C.J. <laughs>
4: I like C.J. Stroud, too. I I really do. All right.
0: Mark, thanks so much for your time. Mike, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Of course. Mike Bogart, kind enough to join us. That's keep underscore pounding, right? Yep. Yep. At keep underscore pounding. We thank Mike Bogart. uh, Kind enough to join us as he's getting his uh, little girl to the doctor with strep throat. We certainly hope that she is okay. It was great having him. We'll circle back with him again later. All right. I asked Casey... Paul, number one pick in the draft. You're the guy on the clock for the Carolina Panthers. You have an offensive-minded head coach down there now in Frank Reich. This was a guy who never had a chance, despite having pretty good success at Indianapolis. But it was a revolving door quarterback. They were bringing in this guy and Carson Wentz, and they're bringing in Matt Ryan and, you know, all this kind of thing going on. He had two or three guys, and then they fire him. They bring in Jeff Saturday. Um, You know, the whole franchise was turned upside down when um, Andrew Luck retired. I mean, put that into perspective a minute. Sometimes we just use that as a throw line. But think if all of a sudden Joe Burrow got a couple of concussions – And he just decides I'm done. What that would do to the Bengals franchise, right? That's what happened in Indianapolis. But now all of a sudden, Frank Reich has a chance to draft, develop, and have a guy potentially for the next decade. Paul, you're on the clock, and the clock is ticking. Tick. Talk. Tick.
1: I think I'm taking Bryce Young. I
0: think I am, but the
1: the thing I keep coming back to every time I think about this is the height because I I keep thinking of, like, Tyler Murray. I keep thinking of these guys that haven't panned out that you get a guy like C.J. Stroud who's, what, 6'3"? Yep. I just – I I think I'm going to take Bryce Young in that spot. Okay. I think I am. And then you start Andy Dalton and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, not that I I knew
2: this going into the, the show, but I had a, a feeling that he was going to talk about their offensive line being a a, a spot of strength yep. rather than weakness, and that's what you're going to need if you do draft Bryce Young. You're yeah. going to need you're going to need a line that's pretty solid. Um, I mean, you could argue that any quarterback needs a solid line, but more importantly, I mean, if you don't want your franchise quarterback getting hurt you want him to have a clean pocket so then he can make the right reads and make all the throws you know it makes sense for Bryce Young to be your pick there if you you know you have the offensive line you know protect your franchise quarterback 510
1: though yeah that's what he's listed at 510 that's small
0: tell you one thing the Panthers did do very well last year. Now, they had Christian McCaffrey for the early part of the year, right? He was their primary ball carrier. Uh, and then once they got rid of him, uh, they continued to run the football. Um, Foreman ran for – you know, he only started nine games. He ran for almost 1,000 yards at four and a half yards per pop. Um, Hubbard uh, played in all 15 games, ran for almost 500, five yards a carry. Um You know, And as a team, they averaged almost 4.7 yards per carry last year. So they're going to continue to run the ball. I agree with that. And behind that offensive line, that's a big feather in the cap when you have that. I mean, this offensive line, for whoever it is they pick number one, is night and day compared to the Bengals' offensive line when Burrow stepped in. Right. Agreed. 100%. And that's a big deal, man. I mean, we saw Burrow, first year out of the gate, blows his ACL. Now, that could happen on any play. You could step the wrong way. And, and we've all seen it happen, where there can be somebody, you know, that's in the open field, and there's not somebody within 20 yards, and they plant their foot, and all of a sudden, you know, ACL uh, done. But Burrow was getting killed. He got killed his second year. He got killed to a lesser extent this past year. Um, and now all of a sudden, who's ever taken over down there in Carolina, they have an offensive-minded guy. Zach Taylor's an offensive-minded guy. But some of those people that he mentioned that that Reich has brought in, these are some of the best minds in the history of football. Nobody got a more raw deal of any head coaching job that I can remember in a long, long time, not once but twice, was Jim Caldwell. That guy can coach. Yes, he can. He is a leader of men, Jim Caldwell. Rock-solid human being. And, I mean, he knows the game inside and out. He got railroaded in Indy. He got railroaded in Detroit. Detroit should have never fired that guy. He did a hell of a job up there. So now they bring him in. Dom Capers, the pride of Cambridge, Ohio. A native Buckeye. I mean, head coach. First ever for the Panthers, great defensive mind. So now you're bringing in guys like Capers, Caldwell, kind of like a macro thing to oversee some of these young coordinators. Now you're putting in spots to go along with the experience of Reich. I think Carolina is a team to watch. You get all excited about uh, Atlanta. Yeah. I, mean- I like the quarterback position, whoever they take, right out of the gate. And I love Des Ritter. But he's not the first pick in an NFL draft. No. Right?
2: I agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm more... I think Panthers still have a lot to fix on defense before any of that talk can really come to fruition for okay. me. Um, I do think they are up and coming. I think the Falcons are the next Lions, which... You know, you're putting that team at, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight, um, possibly winning their division. I just think right now in the NFC South, it is just up for grabs, man. I mean, I think any of those teams theoretically could yep. could could win their division, and I don't think there's a favorite in any of those teams. But if I were to pick one, I don't know if I'd pick the Panthers because. They they just got a lot of holes on defense. Um, they've got some issues to figure out with the receivers. Um, I do like Hayden Hurst, don't get me wrong. Yep. But he's going to be 30. And um, you were in an offense that had two number one receivers, a top 10 running back. Oh, not to mention Tyler Boyd. I mean, they, they had a – You know, he had his opportunities, I think, maybe not just because of schematically or his actual talent, but he also had a lot of opportunities because of the offense that he was in, just creating those opportunities, with a lot of the focus being on T and Chase and Boyd and Joe and But you know, I regardless, I do think you you are on to something though. If this quarterback pans out and he plays to a very high level I think the Panther the Panthers could have a serious shot of winning their division. It's just so weak right now that you know I think anyone could take it. So do the Panthers win more games with CJ Stroud or Andy Dalton? Oh CJ Stroud. 100 percent. Andy Dalton needs a team around him, and I think CJ Stroud or Bryce Young could elevate a team around him. Okay. That's just my thought though, my guess. Tom, what do you think? Andy Dalton, C.J. Stroud, or Bryce Young?
0: Oh, I mean, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. I think he's bigger. I think he's stronger. Uh, they both grade out off the charts as far as when you sit down. I mentioned the, the NFL people. They, I mean, they, they rave about both of them and who they are on the field and off the field. These are two rock-solid kids, man. I mean, they've got their priorities in in order. I don't think there's such a thing as a wrong pick here. But if all things are equal, and I have to err to the side of, when a 5'10", 190-pound human being gets hit, there's a much more serious risk of injury than a 220-pound man being hit. It's not to say that the 220 guy can't be chopped down, right? Goliath went down. We know how that turned out, right? But I'm just saying, I look around the league, and I I just, it's unfair. But I see Tua Tagaloa every time I see a smallish quarterback. And that's unfair. I know it's unfair. But that's what I see. Big guys have been concussed too. But if I have to, all things being equal, and I don't think there's a whole lot separating these two guys, whether it's On the field, the things they can do, accuracy, arm strength, all these kinds of things, both outstanding people off the field and have proven that during their collegiate careers of who they are and what they're all about, the families they come from, the upbringing they had. If all of those things are equal, I'm taking the bigger man, the bigger physical human being because it's a man's league. What do you call it, Paul Doherty? You have a nickname for the NFL. You gave it years ago. You call it what in the morningline.substack.com?
3: I call it the NFL. Sort of (laughs) like the NFL, right? It's like a big labor union. All they they care about is making a bunch of money. Well, what's wrong with that? You're a capitalist at heart.
0: You cloak yourself Not. in other cult clothing, but you're a capitalist of heart. I mean, after sure all, you're no working for an outfit called the Benjamin for crying out loud,
3: right? I'm, I'm working with you, and you you shower me with cash weekly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
0: right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. If you had the first I, pick in
3: the draft, you follow
0: this stuff close enough. You watch a, a lot I, of. I comics. don't
3: follow it at all. No, I don't. You're wrong about that. I, okay. I, 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 I've forever hated the draft. Um, I, I don't like people who are who give you opinions for six months uh, 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 and, and, and never own up after after they get stuff wrong. Yeah. they tell you everything except if a guy can play football. I call that the Tim Crumry postulate. Tenth round draft pick. You know they can tell you everything about Crumry except if, if, if he could play ball. Um, no, I don't, I don't know anything about the draft. C.J. Stroud, I heard you talk talking about him. He's a quarterback, right?
0: Yep, he's quarterback, Ohio yeah, State big, University. I,
3: I mean, big guys get hurt, too. Lamar Jackson hasn't had a full season for three years, right? Yep. Drew but, but, Brees, but his thing, I think, is more a style a of
0: play kind of thing. I mean, I, I think he's more of a style of play. He puts himself at far greater risk because yeah. of all the running around he does compared to burrow or herbert or you know some of these other guys that sure. that that are bigger stature you know just human beings that's all sure yeah that's right all right i, I want to ask you a little bit about um this start for the reds look uh, you know uh, you've written many 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 columns through the years uh and especially here recently about where we are with baseball where cincinnati is with baseball. Uh, and all that kind of thing. Look, it may not last another week, but at least the first four days of the baseball season have been good for the local nine.
3: Yeah, I, no question. And the, supposedly, what's going to what's supposed to be fun, satisfying, entertaining, whatever you want to call it for Reds fans, is to see the development of the starting pitching, and to maybe find a diamond in the rough like Jason Bossler, you know, you give the guy, the 29-year-old guy, the chance to play and, and see what he does with it. And the Reds have been pretty good lately at finding guys like that, right? I mean, Brandon Drury last year, um, Dietrich a couple yep. years ago, with Derek Dietrich, you yep. know, they, they found guys like that. And, and frankly, that's where a guy like Nick Kral can help himself to stay employed. You keep coming up with guys like that, and anybody with a lot of money can go, can go put together a left side of the infield like the Padres have done with uh, with Machado and and um, Bogarts, right? Anybody can can buy starting pitching like the Mets have done, but not anybody can can go pan for gold and come up with useful players at, at minimum rates like Crawl is trying to do. So, sure, I mean it is fun it's also worth noting that April is the most misleading month in baseball followed co- closely by September mm-hmm. um the the in-between months are where you find out who's who and what's what A- April's for dreamers like Jason Vossler more power to him that's great and, and I think the fans really should enjoy it you know while it lasts
0: um you know when, when, when you talk about these uh-huh. these young pitchers the Reds have you um, And i know it's only one time through but there there was a long enough sample size as as all your analytics friends like to use that term um there's a large enough sample size where i I can't take into account growth and what's going to happen but when i just look at you know uh sheer power and dominance there's no it's not even in the same galaxy where hunter green is compared to ashcraft and lodolo but but as I, but I after watching last year, and even in spring training some this year, um, I tell you, I, I'm not so sure, Doc, if I had to get one out, one out with the bases loaded, um, and two away in an inning trying to protect a one-run lead, I'm not so sure that Green would be my first pick to have on the mound for the Reds ahead of Lodolo or Ashcraft.
3: Uh, well, Lodolo still strikes people out. Uh, at, at almost as much as Hunter Green does. He's not as fantastic at it as Green is. Um, you know, he's not throwing 105 miles an hour, but he but he gets outs. Um, sure, I think he at, at this point he's slightly ahead of, of, of Green. Potential is still there for Green to be to be very good, but I think Lodolo is a bit ahead of him right now.
0: It sounds like you didn't get your dog out before the rain this morning.
3: You know what? He's The door's shut and he wants to come in. He's a spoiled little pain in the ass. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, they all should be spoiled. Did you know, Doc, today, and I, I made it a point in my monologue in the opening, today is World Stray Animal Day. You have a soft spot in your heart for animals. I have a soft spot in my heart for animals. We need to look out for those that are stray that we come across.
3: Yeah, well, hang on one second before he just ruins the entire segment. All right. All right. We'll let him do that.
0: Shut up. Come in here. Be quiet. What's
3: wrong with that? Yeah, what was the
0: question again? No, I'm just saying Did you know today was World Stray Animal Day.
3: Oh, stray. I thought you said strange. I got two strange animals, but (laughs) neither one of them was a stray. Um, No, I I did not know that. We had a stray stray cat at our, at, uh, our old place where we lived for a few years and he got eaten by a coyote we're pretty sure but uh now no it's always good and i know of your affection for for animals in general um i think there's nothing better than 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 saving a dog or a cat's life no doubt right? about it
0: see there you go look at that look at that right there all right i want to <laughs> ask you near and dear to your heart is the masters yes sir now, uh, you used to go down there and cover this event. I'm assuming you're not going down there this week.
3: Nope. Okay. 24 times. Tiger finally passed me in number of Masters. He's playing this week, 25th. I did 24. How about that?
0: I mean, for, yeah. for those of us where that would be on a bucket list, would it? you were there to work. But Correct. you also had a chance to walk around and check everything out. Uh, I mean, Tell us what it's like that if you were a guy who had that on your bucket list to go down there, is it worth the money and the time?
3: It's the only thing I've ever attended or written about that not only equals the hype, it surpasses it. It's better than, than what you would think it might be. Um, yeah, it, it, it's the best thing I, I, I ever covered. Um, I look forward to it more than anything I ever covered. It's the only thing I will miss now that I'm not covering it. It's just um, even if you don't like golf, Tom, it, it's it, it's like Disneyland for adults. It's this sort of magical fairy tale place uh, that when you're inside the gates, you're not really of the world. I know that sounds crazy, and people are saying, "Yeah, what a jerk this guy is." But you have to go and experience it. I, I always love seeing first timers um, at the masters, what they look like when they're when they walk into the place and start walking around a little bit. I eyes as big as dinner plates, right? Um, TV does a pretty good job, but, but not a great job of capturing exactly what that place is and looks like the elevation changes. Um, it's a tough walk. Uh, and it's, and it's gorgeous, obviously, but the subtleties on the greens and so on and so on, I can sit here all day. It's uh, like I said, it's the best thing I ever covered and the only thing I'll miss.
0: All right. What are your thoughts about this whole uh, now for the first time? I think it's the first time this year in the new season where you're in one place where the PGA guys can play with the live guys. Is that going to be too built up or do you think
3: there's legitimate drama there? I think there's drama there. You agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I I kinda do. I mean it gives you heroes and villains, that's for sure. I think the vast majority of, of golf fans regard those guys as, as mercenaries and, and villains. I, I think every professional golfer is by necessity a mercenary, but they're not all villains. Um and the live guys are are kind of making it even more interesting this week. They're wearing they have they play team golf. I don't know anybody who follows golf cares about this, but they have teams and live. Yeah, and each team has its own shirts and hats and stuff, and and so they're they're kind of walking around this private club that invited them but didn't have to advertising their own live stuff. Now now the Masters is not beholden to the PGA Tour. It's it's on the PGA Tour, but not of it. Right. Uh, it's a little bit brazen, I think, for these live guys to wear all their own gear at a a place like Augusta National. So that'll only add to the rivalry. I I really don't care. I just want to see good players play well. And I'm glad that that a guy like Dustin Johnson is going to be there and, 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 and we get to see him hit golf shots.
0: Well, I mean, right out of the gate, and I brought this up earlier today too, I don't know if you saw some of the comments, I'm assuming you did, that were made, I guess, quite some time ago by Fred Couples who's uh, very highly thought of, one of the great players of all time, no question about it, uh, where he made comments about Mickelson. He made comments about Sergio Garcia. He was asked yesterday, does he stand by those comments? He says he does. I mean, he went on to politically kind of CYA a little bit by saying, hey, you know, those guys are great players, and I like them, but uh, dot, dot, dot. Um, and, and look, you know Roy McIlroy is going to come out and say something when he's asked about it, right?
3: Right. Yeah. And he has many times. I, uh, and for, for Freddie to say that, um, he doesn't go out of his way to be candid or controversial or anything but Freddie, right? Uh, and he he was fairly vocal about it. And he did come back and retract a little bit. I just, you know, I, I respect those guys and they're, they're, they're golfers just like I am and, and let's just play. But I think that what he said... Um, was was probably well received by most of the guys on tour. Probably say the, would say the same thing. Say that Colin Colin Phil a clown. Um, occasionally Phil's a clown, right? Um, so yeah, it just it, it kind of adds to the mix, and, and um, we'll see what happens. Tom, I think Rory McIlroy is going to win this weekend for the first you time. You do, I do. He's putting he's putting really well. He hits the crap out of the ball. He knows the course, he knows the pressure on Sunday, even if as he hasn't responded all that great to it over the years. Uh I think it's his time. Yeah. We'll
0: see. All right, I'm taking uh I'm taking Kepka to win it uh this weekend. Um, but but let me ask you this. Um I know you've had a chance. I think I shouldn't say I know you have. I'm gonna ask you. Have you ever had a chance to spend much time with Steve Flesh or any
3: time with Steve Flesh? I've talked to him and you know, you know, completely professional setting. Um, uh, the last time I talked to him had to be 15 years ago, Tom, at, at the memorial. Very nice guy. He wasn't pleased with something that I wrote because I, I quoted him disparaging Jack Nicholas's course a little bit, uh, which he did, by the way. He did say it. He was not pleased that I wrote it. Um, but nice guy. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, seemed like a really good guy. Yeah, he's going to be on the uh,
0: program here with us on uh, Thursday to talk about the uh, Masters, yeah. and uh, and so uh, you might want to check it out on Thursday. I'm sure you know. although well, on well, Thursday, he, the he, weather's going to be good enough. You might have to you might have to work on Thursday. Well, yeah,
3: that kind of stinks. I'm retired. Flesh, you got start way, getting, was, getting
0: in. You got to start getting in golf season shape. I mean, you're clearly not there.
3: I'm not. I am not. I've been I, I've been working really hard at the golf course, not playing much golf. Steve Flesh, by the way, was on the leaderboard on Sunday at Augusta one year. Remember that?
0: Yes, I do. I think he finished fifth that year, if I'm not mistaken.
3: I think he put a ball in the water either at 13 or 15. On Sunday, and that, I think that cost him. But uh, yeah, he was on the board one year. I mean, he's won 11,
0: 11 times. He's had a hell of a career. I mean, he's one of the few local yeah. athletes I think that, you know, we, we always like to build up our local guys and so forth. And it seems like he's really yeah. flown under the radar. I think you could make the argument he's the best professional golfer uh, as far as just, you know, as far as just results are concerned uh, of anybody yeah. that's played within a 30, 40, 50 mile radius of Cincinnati all time. Yeah, Brett. Remember Brett Wetterick? Yep,
3: yep. I believe he was tied tied for the lead after two rounds several years ago. It's when he had a brief run. He was on the Ryder Cup team, and he was a really good player. Uh, Jimmy Herman has played down there a couple yep. times. Yep. Uh, but you're right. I think in terms of consistency and, and durability, Steve Flesh, yeah, probably yep. the best golfer from out of here. All
0: right, Doc. Get back to it, my man. And um, <laughs> you, you got somebody needs to get outside on a walk. You got to get moving. The rain has stopped and it's time to get rolling.
3: Yeah, he'd like that. All right.
0: Have a good day, my friend. Thanks for the time. All right, Tom. See right, you. buddy. See you. Paul Doherty, themorningline.substack.com. He's also got this big league gig with the, the Ben.com. The Ben. Have you checked out the Ben? The Ben. I have not yet. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, I think that was started by the folks... Uh, Betsy Ross and uh, Jackie Rao over at Game Day Productions, very successful company here in town, right? Hugely successful here in town. Um, and they've started that. It's kind of like a combination of, uh, you know, sports and Esquire magazine and all this kind of thing going on. So, you know, uh, we always want to ask Doc if he's going to give any grooming habits. He takes a lot of heat in the chat about that, like he rolled out of the rack. I wouldn't know anything about that. Oh, you know a lot about it. They ought to hire you on the bin for road travel tips. Because, I mean, you showed up here from the Big East Tournament. Just a complete mess. Look, we we can all, you know, say that. And we're comfortable. In case you're comfortable with that word. Sure. Okay. Um, And so, are, are you one of those guys, you know, Paul, where you're on the road... Uh, and you know, you wake up, you're a coffee guy in the morning or Never not?
1: Never had a cup of coffee in my okay, life. Okay,
0: all right, so what, what, what do you, do you, 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 you like getting breakfast on the road right out of the gate? I, I try to, I try to, I am a big breakfast guy. All right, now. so are you one of those guys who just rolls out of the rack, right? Pair of sweatpants, t-shirt, hoodie maybe, lid, beeline straight down for the breakfast?
1: I don't think you could have said it better. In any form of oh, Believe me, I, I,
0: I know all the types. I was on the road 32 years. I know them all. I know the guy who's got to brush his hair, who's got to at least look, you know. That's the amazing thing about, and this is going totally off the reservation here, but one of the things that blew my mind more than anything else in all my years of traveling in sports, whether it was going on the NFL for weekends, whether it was traveling with a major league baseball team, Oftentimes in April, May, and June, you would end up in some of these cities in the same hotels as visiting hockey teams. The NHL has a rule, a rule that no player or coach or anybody in the traveling party can be anywhere in public, right, without a collared shirt on and regular pants, not jeans. I could tell you if a hockey team was staying at a hotel by 30 minutes in the lobby on any given morning. And I don't mean they're all walking out to get on a bus to go play a day game in Pittsburgh. It's not what I mean. I could tell you by young men, all very fit, not necessarily big, huge guys, but lean men, very fit, And the clothes they were wearing, you knew they weren't business guys. But you would know that an NHL team is staying in that hotel within not even 30 minutes. you know within 15 minutes if you went down to the hotel's coffee shop or had breakfast. Baseball guys. Football guys. They're walking around in sweats, t-shirts, lids. Not the hockey guys. They're looking good. Paul, you should take a page out of the NHL handbook.
1: Really, the only time that I am around in sweats or anything like that is when I'm rolling right out of bed. I am a big hoodie guy, though. I know you are. Big hoodie guy, though. Yeah.
0: And you're a big Pawnee water guy.
1: Massive, yeah, because like I said, I'm not a huge coffee guy, so massive Pawnee water guy. Brought some Pawnee water home to the family last weekend. How'd they like it? Loved Pawnee water.
0: Loved it. It's phenomenal. They're Problems right across the family. street, and those guys are the best. I just can't say a nice thing. I, I, I'm rooting for them just because of who the pe- the people that they are, the two guys that run the place. They're
1: great guys. I mean,
0: they are phenomenal guys. And, I mean, they have this uh, this alkaline, healthy alkaline water. They call it the best-tasting water in the world. I agree with them. Uh, visit their website at Pawnee. You can see it spelled here, P-A-H-H-N-I p a h h n i com. visit their website uh, and see where you can buy their great tasting water they're working very very hard um to get in to just about anywhere they can and give you a chance to buy it and check it out for yourself all right we only have a uh, handful of minutes left here in the program
1: We do the cherry on top here and talk about that for a second. Okay,
0: but uh, apparently uh, Sir Boy Wonder tells us the Reds have just made some breaking news. Um, they've sent uh, Tony Santion and Nick Senzel out on rehab assignments today. They have a number of players that are injured right now uh, and varying degrees as to how soon they'll be back. The two guys that are 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 having the greatest impact by being out right now by far are T.J. Antone and Lucas Sims. By far. Because we talked about what a mess really the bullpen is, even though they threw the ball well yesterday. It's a mess. Uh, And those two guys, they were counting on being the staples along with Diaz down in that bullpen, where if you had a lead in the sixth inning, you liked your chances of winning a game. In a tight game, I don't know how much I like their chances of winning games without those guys. And Antone, it looks like it could be out a long time. Sims, not so much. All right, what's our cherry on top that we're going to uh, talk about?
2: Well, I think it's a familiar sight. Um, Something that most of us will be familiar with. Okay. A celebration. Very eerie, similar. To our oh,
1: I didn't see this.
2: Lovable franchise quarterback. LSU celebrating their tournament victory with some Joey Burrow.
0: Cigar smoking. Tell you what, that young lady doesn't back down to anybody. You might not like her. But when she was asked about that Jill Biden thing, do you see that story? Yeah. Yep. I mean, Jill Biden made the comment. You know, we ought to invite both teams to the White House.
2: That's not how it works.
0: Well, you know, we're moving in society in that direction. Let's make no mistake about it. I mean, it'll be only a few years from now where they invite the Final Four or the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 participation trophies. It's supposed to be for champions. Champions, the ones who win. God bless Iowa. God bless Kate and Clark. I love Iowa. I have two nephews go to Iowa. I love the school. I love the Big Ten. I'm a Big Ten fan. They lost. The only team that should be invited to the White House is the champion. Were the Bengals invited to the Super Bowl when they got beat? No. 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 Were the Philadelphia Eagles invited to the Super Bowl? I mean, to the White House? No. No. I went to the White House with a champion, the Arizona Diamondbacks. We went to the White House when George Bush was president. It was unbelievable, unbelievable to be there in the White House And all the players are there. You were allowed to bring your wife. And, of course, President Bush, whether you liked him or not, I mean, the guy used to own a Major League Baseball team. He knew baseball inside and out, man. I mean, he was a hardcore fan. He knew the game.
1: Um, He's a sports fan in general. Well, I mean,
0: you know, one of the coolest moments that I've ever seen, it just tells you what kind of guy Bush is. I don't want to get into the politics of it, okay? We're not doing that. I'm just saying as a guy, and I have been around him three or four times, but I had never been around him when this happened. And this was one of the coolest things I have ever seen a person do. Forget that it's the President of the United States. When the Diamondbacks franchise started, they were given the franchise in 1995. They weren't going to start playing until 1998. Okay, The Diamondbacks went out and, and, and stole four of the five most prolific scouts there were in Major League Baseball. And one of those guys was a fellow named Sandy Johnson. They brought Sandy Johnson in from the Texas Rangers. Uh, Multilingual guy, really smart, uh, uh, had incredible influence in in the Dominican and Latin America, all over the United States. Super smart guy, great baseball scout. When George Bush was part of the ownership group with the Texas Rangers, he got to know Sandy Johnson, okay? Okay. So this was 1996 now. Johnson is hired. Fast forward five years later. We are walking in the White House. There's Randy Johnson. There's Kurt Schilling. There's Luis Gonzalez. There's all these great stars, right, of the World Series champion Arizona Diamondbacks. As everybody is walking in, And President Bush is just standing there. They have him off to the side before he's going to make a few comments and then come around and say hello to everybody. Here a scout comes walking in the door. And George Bush jumps up and says, Sandy, God, it's so good to see you. Congratulations, man. And what gets out of his seat and walks over to hug Sandy Johnson. Scouts who are so below the radar... Nobody knows who they are. And here the president of the United States, above all these other big, huge stars, is calling out by name and walking over and giving a hug to Sandy Johnson. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen.
2: That's a really cool story. Yeah.
0: Boy, that was a fun time. That was so cool to go do that. But anyway...
1: Yeah, you, see, you see George Courtside at SMU basketball games all the time now?
0: Oh, really? He is?
1: Oh, he goes.
0: Was he down in Dallas? Yeah,
1: he, he goes to almost every SMU home basketball game. Seems like, at least. He's always there. Because I have friends that live in Dallas that will go to SMU games every once in a while, and I feel like I'm constantly seeing him around.
0: Everett says that it has nothing to do with the fact that both teams brought a ton of attention to women's college basketball. Now that they did. Did you see the numbers on that game, the ratings? I, I think
1: he was being sarcastic there. Yeah, that was, the mo- that was more watched than two of the
0: major bowl games. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. They they, they the largest ever. Uh, 104% higher than the championship game a year ago hundred and four percent
1: uh jim browning makes a good point too randy johnson put his photos on display in that uh museum in cooperstown did you see that Tom? yeah he's
0: been at it for a long time
1: yeah but did you see the exhibit no that he did the other day yeah he opened an exhibit i knew a, he i knew oh yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah okay. i did know that
1: yeah. yes. yes open an exhibit and uh yeah it, it's always great when i see pictures of his pop-up here and there, and it'll be oh, there's Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson took this picture. Yep. Randy took it. Just it's always it's always interesting hearing the the human side of of sports and what these guys are interested off the playing field or yep. off the court. Of course, he was a
0: big drummer. He did that for a long, long time. Yep. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, but photography has been his thing. All right, boys. Uh, tomorrow, uh, again, a reminder: uh, Marty Brenneman coming up, talking about the Reds and their start um that'll be at 10 15 and then at 10:45, we'll be joined our big interview by dan plisak three-time major league baseball all-star you see him all the time on the major league baseball network now you see him on there with sean casey and lighter and all these guys um i think you're really going to enjoy dan plisak he is just a fantastic guy i've known this guy for 35 years and he is just an awesome guy he's got a great sense of humor um he also is an avid um, horse trainer. Uh, and so we'll get into that a little bit and some of the rules in Major League Baseball and the start to this 2023 Major League season. Casey, Tom. have a good rest of your day. You too, Tom. Paul. Tom. Likewise. Yeah, we have two baseball
1: games today at Miami. The Joe all Classic is today. Really? Reed, Reed and I are, Casey will be producing. Reed and I are going to call the games. We're going out to Miami here in about a half hour and uh, – Cincinnati and Wright State and Xavier and Miami all playing today. Cincinnati plays Wright State at 2, and then Xavier and Miami play at 6.
0: Right here on Chatterbox.
1: Right here on Chatterbox. That's great stuff, so check
0: it out. Got a lot going on. Please check it out. Safe travels up there and back home? Yep. All right. Gentlemen, adios to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Good Lord willing, on Off the Bench.